0: This is hotshot archery's outdoor podcast the show starts in three two one go well, i think at this point we can even just dive right into it and i'll figure things out and we go to get it all yeah. put together for tomorrow um starting with the burn because i think i was really in the same vein with that we went out um I got Jack out for just a little bit Friday morning after the rain rolled through and I was windy as hell. And we didn't even get out to the woods till like nine o'clock. But even he's like, dad, I'm kind of glad at five o'clock that you didn't wake me up, that you told me that it was still raining out. Cause I think we were all just feeling a little tired. And I mean, I definitely would have, if the weather would have been good with being my tag and just trying to fill it, I think I would have been out at sunrise, but it just, starting to get burned out even though we didn't really go that much we were doing so much scouting in between that you know you get to this point it starts to it's a chore it's not always just fun I mean you're kind of making yourself do it sometimes
1: yeah it it, it's hard to explain because look so forward to it you know once deer season ends and you kind of get through the end of winter and you and uh, I, I know you're just like me, like, you just can't wait for it to get here. And then it gets here. And, and for me, it's almost like a mad dash. Like I, I gotta get to Nebraska cause I really love those first few days before the flocks break up and then the Texas, uh, and that was a lot of driving and back and forth and back and forth, uh, Illinois. And it's not that I'm complaining. I've had a blast all spring. But by the time the Missouri season rolls around, I'm kind of like, I need this deep breath. I got plenty of time and I've done this the last two seasons straight. There's three weeks. I'm going to take a little bit of time. And then the next thing you know, the season's ending. And last year, I only made it out two mornings. And this year, I I knew the season was ending and wrap it up. And, you know, we talked last last week and I said I was really going to try to put in four good days. And I just... I just couldn't do it i'm catching up on on work and i just really frankly i just blew it off and now the season's over and i'm like okay where could i go now like you know <laughs> right. that's you know how it goes you know like was, feeling guilty i blew it off and i really want to get out before it all ends and you, you know how it goes and i'm sure a lot of the listeners do too
0: i was just talking with somebody earlier this morning uh or this afternoon from up in omaha and we were talking about turkey hunting and um, uh, have you still had a tag and trying? I was like, yeah, I think at this point I go. We just wrapped up yesterday at one, and I'm sure he's already thinking, when can I get out to uh, Nebraska and try to get one more good hunt in? It's one of those things you need a break. I think uh, sometimes last week we were talking about the person who thinks that because you're on 10 Pro staff, you get all these opportunities and uh, all this crazy stuff. But I think people forget too that you're not just a perfect well you're not just a professional hunter you know it's not that you've got a regular job going on you've got your responsibilities with Hotshot to deal with you have a girlfriend you've got family you've got all these dogs i mean there's all these other things it's not just you know pick up in early march and go until the end of may with no other responsibilities in between
1: yeah in fact yesterday was sandy's birthday and so that was one reason along with it being mother's day of course that you know yesterday was just kind of out as far as a, a hunting day for me and um yeah a full-time job plus a a part-time slash almost full-time job with hot shot and of course you know we, we kind of skim over it we have the pandemic going on the reason i'm mentioning that is just because of how that's kind of made my my real job as an engineer kind of crazy, you know, trying to work at home yet be the lead engineer for a radiation cleanup site that's been kind of hectic, and working at home has given me a little more flexibility to hunt, but at the same time has caused me to not just be able to take off per se meaning hey, I'm on vacation for five days, don't bother me, that hasn't been an option so yeah. It's just kind of everything. And, and you're right. You know, yesterday uh, I brought up Sandy. Hey, what do you think about going to Nebraska or Texas late next week? And she's like, sure, let's go. So
0: I'm well, trying at to this see point, where it's I just think I out of the house. Go. I'm going
1: to try pretty hard to fill one more tag. That's
0: right, so why I hope you are able to get out. I know for us, it definitely wrapped up on Friday morning. Uh It just We weren't really trying too hard, of course. I mean, I could have gone out in the rain, but I'm kind of beyond that. If I don't have a blind or something, I'm not going to go sit out there and get miserable, especially if it's somewhere super close to home. If I traveled, I might still want to go ahead and get my money's worth from the trip and deal with the misery. But we got out, and it was 17-mile-an-hour sustained winds, and we heard, like, one bird gobble. I actually ended up telling my dad because we went back up to the family property just to really more to get jack out of the house for an hour or so and say we gave it one more go because i knew sunday was mother's day there was no way that i was going to get a a free pass to go turkey hunting on mother's day i wouldn't have even tried to push that one through and saturday we had some stuff going on so it was just let's get out and i'm really i was kind of glad being at the family property that I didn't have to make that decision because if it was a big bird, I probably would have gone ahead and still shot it and filled my final tag. But it was nice to not be put in that position to wonder, should I shoot this bird? Should I let it go? Do we have a decent enough population? So we went out, we had fun. We heard one gobble relatively close. We got to do some exploring and found some hellacious deer trails. So that's kind of, we're already shifting our focus to getting minerals out and Checking on stands and figuring out where we want to move stuff before it gets super thick or super hot. So we have tied a bow on our Missouri turkey season with three birds and one. Actually, it's funny. We had the question of the day about uh, somebody wrote in saying they had a turkey full of freezer and wanted some ideas on what to do with it. I've got about probably 20 or so more degrees to talk. I don't know how many minutes that is, but I've got a turkey breast lobe on the smoker right now. So trying to eat up what we've got and remember the hunts and learn from our experiences and just prepare for uh deer season. At this point, it's full on fawns about to drop. The cameras are out with fresh batteries and just now start to take inventory and make sure they got all the minerals and the food that we can get them to keep them in the area and keep them healthy.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm sure you've seen, I know that we have seen a, uh, a buck here and there that's already started um some growth and those nubs are starting to stick out and it just you know someone texted me today and literally it was deer season will be here before you know it they're asking if i was going to do it any more turkey hunting and that's what they ended the conversation with and, and that's pretty much true it won't be too long and that's what we'll be talking about here on the podcast but uh i don't know i set a goal to kill seven turkeys which is ridiculous of course um i killed five and there's no way i can be disappointed ever in killing that many turkeys in a single spring and only uh, what, so one I'm of them was a body shot. Out. but if i don't uh certainly i'm not going to look back with any disappointment for the spring yeah,
0: of those five, how many, I know you had one for sure. Do you have one or two that were body? Because the rest, I mean, we're all headshots, so you're talking probably inside of even 15 yards for most of them.
1: Uh, one was body shot, but it was up close. It was actually, uh, first shot was a headshot that missed, and then I body shot it. So four headshots and one body shot, but the max distance kill was probably six yards and the closest was about 3 yards. That is just crazy.
0: I, if you've never had turkeys that close <laughs> to try to explain how exciting and intense that is. It that's just awesome. Um we mentioned something earlier too, at really at the beginning of the conversation and something that I wanted to get your thoughts on. We've seen some questions here and there um in fact just posted something with the hookup as the highlight pictures. Um of course you're bird from Illinois, too, that had the hookup in it. But you've had a chance to hunt Nebraska, Texas, Illinois. Um, I think you got out, I think you said you got out once or twice in Missouri. But you've several states, five birds. This year, you focused just on using the hookup. And I know before that, the X spot was, like, the release. You weren't going to be found, and you probably still have one in your pack somewhere. But want to hear your thoughts over... Uh the hookup now that you've had a lot of time to use it and for somebody who's debating between the two releases, why or why not choose one over the other?
1: Yeah, the the trusty expat prototype is still in my pack. Um the hookup I did use for all of those kills and it was the release that I hunted with every single hunt this The spring and it also includes a hog that i killed in texas on that turkey hunt um the reason that i decided to shoot it wasn't just because it was our new release because we have enough staffers and people that are using our new releases that i don't have to feel obligated to try to promote or get pictures with our newest release because we're happy to sell any of our releases you know, we're proud of them all, and we think they're all equally good as good. But for me, there was just something that felt really awesome about shooting the hookup, and it's very hard to explain. In fact, that's how I came to love the X-Spot. I didn't really think I would like the X-Spot until the first time I shot it. And from shot number one, I fell in love with the X-Spot, and that's kind of how the hookup has been for me. Um, of course, it's an open hook design, and so that is different and um you know all of my hunting except for that pig and that pig was just kind of a happenstance you know coincidental here come some hogs let me grab my bow and i'm going to shoot this one when it comes by thing but all of the hunting's been in ground blinds and so my my hookup has been hanging there on the loop i will say that on one of my last hunts in illinois I did finally, after all of that time spent with it, I knocked it off the loop while I was in the blind. And that happened because I turned all the way around in my chair to look out up at the back window because there was a gobbler about 20 yards from the blind directly behind as I could hear him drumming. And when I turned around in my chair, my knee hit the release pretty hard and it knocked it off the loop. So, you know, I have found that it's not easily knocked off the loop, but it can happen. And that's, you know, a possibility while it's in a tree stand, but I'll just say that I'm planning on hunting this fall with the hookup in a tree stand and it will be hanging there on the loop all the time. I'm not too concerned with knocking it off at all. Nice, but so- there's just something about the way it feels at the shot. And maybe it's a personal preference of mine. It's of course is a new handle shape. Um, it, you know, really is the same mechanism as our other sear releases, um, with some slight modifications, but, uh, I sure, I, I don't know. I just really, really like the way it feels when I shoot. Well, you know, it's
0: gotta be a good release when you start to change over the accessories on your bow to match the release. That's a pretty good indication. The X-Spot
1: is going to get a place on the, uh, the wall of fame in the trophy <laughs> case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. That was A little more coincidence, I had kind of been wanting to do a bow in purple and black, and I was like, well, heck with it, I'm going to do it this time since I'm shooting that release.
0: Purple and black is never a bad choice. It's one of my favorite color combos. Uh, Yeah, I like it a lot. All right. So I mentioned a little bit earlier that I've got now, well, we're at 143. So I think about 160, I'm going to pull this thing and it's going really slow. I turned it down to, uh, I've just got my, uh, pellet grill set on smoke right now. Cause I wanted to let this thing rest and just soak up a bunch of smoke, but, um, get to this question. I've got a freezer full of Turkey, which first off, congratulations on having a freezer full of Turkey. That means you had a better season than a lot of people out there. Um, so awesome with that. But the question really is, what are some of your favorite ways to make it? So um, I don't know a freezer full of turkey for this person means just the breast. If it's the whole turkey carcass, if it's breast and thighs, I know like I take the breast and eat the legs and thighs off of my birds. But when you think about maybe even. Overall, what is your favorite? And then maybe different components. What are some of your favorite ways to use up all the turkey that you get?
1: Well, no matter uh, how many turkeys I get, my favorite way is still to cut the breast up into strips and pound them out a little bit, breaded and, and deep fried. That's just my personal favorite. I do like them smoked, but there's just something about fried turkey strips that i really really like and you know we we've talked about cooking turkey and cooking deer and wild game in general and the key is don't overcook them even when you're frying them you can't overcook them and that's my favorite just sliced up and fried i don't save i give away a lot of my legs and thighs like the farmer in nebraska he wanted them he got them Um, I did keep a couple sets, uh, this year I didn't give away and those I'm planning on making tacos out of by slow cooking and then pulling the meat and using that pulled thigh and leg meat for, uh, tacos. And that was via suggestion of Derek Craig. Oh yeah. It's awesome. We do that a lot.
0: I do fajitas. I haven't necessarily done tacos, but basically the same damn thing. I love to slow cook braise those legs and thighs and use that up in there. If not, soups are always good. You can throw it in a stock pot and you can put some water, some veggies, or you can throw some chicken stock or broth in there and cook those things down and uh, make soups out of the legs and thighs. But I think the, the taco fajita thing it just the texture of the meat the the darkness of it the flavors that go with that kind of stuff it really lends itself well to it so um if you've got them if you're talking a freezer full of turkey and you've got legs and thighs they are great um it's smoked very 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 low or again braised they almost need some moisture in it that's why i like to do soups or fajitas something that's going to have some juice in it they can dry out really Really quick if you try to smoke those, um I would definitely say brine your turkey, whether it's legs and thighs or even breast. Um, it definitely benefits from a quick brine in fact, that breast lobe that I've got on the smoker right now. I took some of the rub that I was gonna put on it when I put it on the smoker, I mixed that and some salt in a gallon zip top bag with some water to cover, shook it all up, got it real well blended and let that sit for probably, I mean, even just four or five hours, um, I think you see enough of a difference to do that. So with breasts, I would 100% agree with you. My favorite way is slice it thin across the breast or across the grain. So imagine you've got it laid out like a, a motorcycle gas tank, almost with the small end or the pointy end on the left side and the big fat end on the right and just slice it in vertical slices across that as thin as you can get if they're thick Uh, like you said robin go ahead and and, uh, pound it out a little bit try to tenderize it get it a little bit thinner i like to cut almost on a bias like with fish fillets with it i like that crispy edge you get when you've got a, a real fine edge on one side so I'll do that, too, if I'm frying it, and I really like it in a cornmeal type, like what I would use for crappie or any sort of home fish fry, a seasoned cornmeal. I love on turkey, but smoking this one that I'm doing today, again, I brined it for a few hours, got it out this morning. We're trying to figure out, do we fry this? Do we smoke it? Because we did smoked ribs yesterday for Mother's Day. We did smoked ribeyes the night before. So a lot of smoke going on, and we figured with three turkeys, pretty much we gave one turkey to my parents just as a thank you for letting us use their property and buying that, having access for that. So, But again, still two big turkeys in the freezer decided that we want to try to smoke this one, so I... Had it in the brine for four hours. I put it in an aluminum pan. I did not just put it on the grate. Um, I put a little bit of the brine juice in the bottom. Again, just like a splash just to keep some moisture in there. And I've been running it between smoke and 180 since about 3.30 this afternoon. It's almost 5 now, so um, about an hour and a half. We're at 145, so getting there, I want to bring it up to temp really slowly. This is one. Um, I can tell you it's 144, 145 because I got a remote uh, temp gauge. I put a temperature probe in it. I definitely would recommend with turkeys, if you have some sort of probe that you can leave it in, if you're going to grill it or fry it so that you don't overcook it, it's going, (laughs) like what you said, if you overcook any wild game, it's pretty much going to be nasty. You don't want to overcook it, so I'm keeping a real close eye on it. Um, I will probably pull this between 150 and 155, wrap it in foil, and get it up to about 160. I feel really safe at 150 on a temperature for the breast. Again, I'm not cooking the whole turkey, so thinking about just the breast meat, really um, at this 144, 145, I'm probably pretty close to safe eating range um, where I wouldn't turn it down anyway. So I like it smoked. Um, If I'm not going to fry it, if I'm going to throw up a little something different, I like to do that. Um, Again, legs and thighs, either fajitas, tacos, like you mentioned. Uh, Soups are just so easy. Throw it in with uh, some onions, some carrots, some celery. Let it cook down. Pull out all the bones and tendons and all that stuff in there. Um, Clean up your meat. You can throw that back into some stock. You can save some of that stock. You can strain it off if you want and use that. Throw in some rice, some more celery, uh, makes a great soup. Again, just dicing up your stuff. So there's lots of different ways you can use it. Pretty much any way you can use chicken, you can use turkey. Just know that your wild bird is going to be way, way, way leaner than any turkey or chicken that you're going to go to the grocery store and buy. And right now, probably buy a limit of two because we're also now rationing our meat in addition to our (laughs) toilet paper. Speaking of rationing and buying at uh, at the grocery store, I'm not sure exactly when this recording is going to pick up, but I feel like it is at least worth hearing the story for. If I get no more than one more giggle out of this, the person that you saw wearing a mask at the grocery store today.
1: Oh goodness, yeah! Like every trip out is an adventure, and it just seems like you know some of the things that that I've seen people doing. It's just like people just think a little. But saw a lady just a little bit ago. I was at the grocery store, and uh, she had a homemade crocheted mask on. <laughs> i uh, am already laughing just like you would envision a <laughs> crocheted mess to look pretty much a checkered board <laughs> of yarn and holes and I I just wanted to tell the lady hey that doesn't do you any good but I, I didn't <laughs> I just let her be and maybe she's doing the best she can I don't know but jeez man I mean try my wife
0: gets pissed maybe I'm just a huge sissy or something if I don't have to go to the store right now I really try not to go I don't want to go you know one way up and down the grocery stores we went out Jack and I went out to get uh, some mother's day cards at I think Walgreens and we we're standing there looking through some cards trying to find the right one and there was somebody waiting for us to go and I'm like I I'm not Into doing things on other people's timelines a whole lot. So the fact like I felt like I was getting rushed to buy my wife a nice Mother's Day card and pick out the right one. And it is I try to avoid it at all. So at least this guy went out. If I had to wear a mask, I'd be like, you know what? I don't need to go in there that bad. Home depot, my wife has gone in there. I'm like, no, I don't. If I have to have a mask on to not get publicly ridiculed or by requirement. I really don't need to go to that store so um, at least you're getting out at least she was getting out and doing something that is probably some degree better than nothing I, I'm not sure how many levels but
1: I don't you know I don't really know I, I will say that in general it seems like people are being more polite to each other and trying to give people space and be courteous and say, you know, I, I've I've heard way more excuse me's or I'm sorry or pardon me, those sorts of things. And so that's a good thing. And I will say that I am going as much as I can towards the local stores versus mm-hmm. you know a store that sounds like Wally World right. because it's a whole different crowd and um that that helps with the sanity a little bit but there there is a little bit of silver lining i do think overall people are trying to be more accepting now i'll be damned if i ever get ridiculed by someone or shamed for not wearing a mask because i'm not wearing them if not required out i just keep my distance and be smart um if someone ever wants to say something to me they're going to have something said back and i'll just leave that at that but uh, let's leave this discussion. I'll do one better than the crochet mask. <laughs> uh, this story came via our buddy Derek Greg. He watched a guy pump gas with his mask in his hand, one hand, the gas pump in the other, finished pumping the gas, went into the gas station, did not sanitize his hands, still had his mask in his hand. He used the mask as a cover for the door handle. Opened the door, so whatever he was breathing when, when he was after he pumped the gas, walked to the door to go in the gas station. Used his mask to grab a hold of the door handle, so he wouldn't touch the door handle, and then put that mask on for his time in the store, in the gas station.
0: Oh, well, good for him!
1: You know how's that? How how is that? To, for just a little chuckle to leave our discussion about (laughs) mask in public and (laughs) he's just living his best life.
0: And I'm sure he's been somewhere on Facebook telling somebody about being right and wrong and all the other sorts of craziness. We're seeing. of course it's
1: course. So here's what are you going to do? We're all doing the best we can, I guess. Everybody's
0: just trying to get through it. Everybody's dealing with it differently. I don't think this is going away anytime soon so you know i like i love to people watch i will make fun of something that i see as humorous as long as it's not necessarily um endangering a particular like a situation can be funny without thinking about what's happening to a particular person in that situation Uh, so yeah i mean i'm gonna sit back and kind of find the humor in where i can find humor and take it serious where i need to take it serious but I think it's just going to become our new normal. We again, we just posted something on the social media accounts about missing um, our friends and our show family and customers and talking with dealers. And it's just, it's going to be interesting to see how all of this shakes out over the long haul. I know uh, the ATA was trying to get archery businesses deemed essential where uh, the States where they were being shut down. I just, There's going to be a lot that happens from this, whatever the cause really was, whatever the conspiracy may or may not be who the hell knows, but, um, it's definitely something that we're all going to have to get used to whatever the version of normal is going to come out of this is.
1: Yeah, that's, that's true. And it, I guess I started to say, unfortunately, I don't know if it's unfortunate. It just is a fact of life and we're all dealing with it. Um, We've gotten a few questions about how is it affecting shot and, and the business, and it is affecting sales, of course, like any archery business right now. Um, our production is a little bit behind. We've had some trouble lately getting some materials like certain aluminums that we need. Um, that delay is specifically related to virus type issues, but... In general, we're uh, using this time at Shot, we're adding machines and we're actually trying to use the slow period as a way to um, branch out and expand some of our capabilities. So that's going to be a positive in the long run for us. Yeah, and I
0: think that's what I'm most excited for this. I always try to find as much as I probably seem like I'm super judgy because I will say or laugh at something again, it just a part of it happens to humor me. But uh, the silver lining that I'm looking for is all the successes where we're able to go um, as a company, the things that we'll be able to do, just seeing people find ways to be resilient and be successful throughout all this is one of the things that I'm I'm most excited about. I wish it wouldn't take a global health pandemic to do it, but I think there are a lot of people who are going to find something within themselves or within their businesses that they wouldn't have known could be there had all of this not taken place. So there is some good to to see in it to try to look for. There's a lot of ridiculousness, uh, man. I don't want to just say on both sides on in every argument for or against whatever's happening that I've heard. There's there's some way that uh, you could throw something back against that. But uh, overall, I think you know, especially our group within the Hotshot staff, at least everybody's holding it together pretty well. Nobody's getting too antsy. Uh, like you said, everybody's just trying to to make it through it and see it. So I think we're all doing the best we can. I, I love that hotshot is looking for new ways to continue to grow. I think people should be excited about what they'll see come out of all of this. And again, it's probably a good thing that we might have a little time. If we have to look for some silver linings that we can do some of these things. And we're not just so cranked up with production of what's already out there that we don't have that opportunity to continue to expand because we're not some major manufacturing facility um, that's cranking out you know, thousands of components every hour or even every day.
1: Right, right, and and, and there's signs of things moving towards um, um, again. I hate to say normal. We don't even know what normal will be anymore, but. Just as an example, we, we got a pretty sizable order from Europe for uh, a big handful of releases, and you know that's just a sign to us that over there, to get back to activities, you know, like archery, and uh, hopefully here in the U.S. we're not too far behind. And I mean, I know there's talks about baseball and how they're going to make that happen, and hopefully that is coming soon that's been that and hockey has been a couple of the things that i have missed the most about normal everyday life is just sports in general so i i'm uh hoping that it won't be too long and you know uh like you uh i've joked a lot and been cynical and said uh, uh things but you know I'm not a big conspiracist theory on the virus, but I'm not sure that it's as serious as what was feared. But the reality is, is a lot of people have been hurt economically by it. Uh, My daughter's been shut down for, you know, whatever, six weeks or she's a business owner and she has been completely out of business and she's done what you talked about. She's tried to use this time to make improvements in her business that don't equate to bringing in money. But just improvements. So when she can reopen that she thinks, you know, these improvements will help her. So kudos to her and everyone that's thinking along those lines. And really I I, we've said every show and I'd say this again, so we can kind of wrap this up and move on to some questions maybe, but I hope everyone really has been able to stay healthy and find some way to get out and do some activities that, makes them happy because that is what's important yeah but
0: i uh, couldn't say it any better just trying to find something that you can and what you and i do that makes us happy and fulfills who we are as human beings is probably a lot different from some people out there that we couldn't even begin to understand what their lives are like but if you can figure out some way to be happy i mean just do it you can't force everybody else so everyone's got to look inside to see what can I do that's the best for me right now that's going to be something positive And just do the absolute best you can, even if it's just get through the whole damn day and make it to tomorrow. It's still the best you could do, and you're doing awesome for doing it. So that's my kind of pep talk for um, this particular episode, my uh, probably bourbon-laced pep talk for everybody there.
1: <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. It is the. It's well into the end of the day.
0: Yes, absolutely. I I know you mentioned some questions. One of the only ones that I really had in that wasn't just for myself was about uh, the how to cook the turkey that this particular listener had. And we've we've got into that. Any questions that you have seen come in through your email or your social media pages?
1: Yeah, one question that came to me fairly recently was. It was kind of a long-winded question, but essentially this person mentioned that they had noticed seeing my binoculars show up in different pictures while I was turkey hunting and even kill photos and asked, you know, basically they said, I know you kill them really close. So what's the deal with having the binoculars? And I don't, I have been accused of just having binoculars for promotional reasons. and. I make no mistake, Vortex is a partner of mine and they have been for a very long time. I've used them since really essentially their beginning and uh great people, great products, but that's not really what I'm doing. I'm not just trying to get their products in my pictures. I will not, if I could at all help it be in my turkey blind without my binoculars. And it's a very simple thing because there's so often times that, um, you hear a gobbler off in the distance, say out in front of the blind. And, you know, maybe I want to pull those binoculars out and see if I can find him or flip that around. You see a turkey way off and you want to be able to identify, is that a gobbler? I want to try to call in, or is it a Jake or is it an, Ann? And so I use my binoculars when I'm turkey hunting, even though I'm bow hunting and killing them at five or six yards, I use my binoculars a lot. They are super important. I always have them either on the ground next to my chair or strapped to my chest. It just depends on what, how much I'm stripping clothes off or putting them on, you know, throughout the morning as it gets cold or warms up. But um always have my binoculars and I would recommend that anyone that's turkey hunting that their binoculars are just part of their everyday equipment.
0: Right on. Yeah, we actually I didn't take mine out this past Friday morning cuz I knew we were just going for a quick hunt and it was rainy and I, we were walking the whole way and I sound super lazy. When I say we're walking the whole way, I mean we had to walk maybe maybe four or 500 yards to our first little spot where we were setting up where Jack shot his first bird. Uh, but I didn't take them and even missed them, even in the wind and everything else going on. I missed having them, but I chose not to just for the weight of it. Um, Cause I've got a pretty big, mine are eight by I think 40 or 42 Zeiss, but now I've had them forever. So I couldn't tell you, um, off or maybe they're eight by 32s or so. I was trying to get that five time, whatever they say, the great, um, light input is like your magnification times five is your great exit pupil objective diameter. Um uh, so there's somewhere like that. What size binoculars do you carry?
1: I'm pretty sure mine are 10 by fifties. I carry a pretty big set and <laughs> I, some of my buddies like eric and some of the other guys they carry a little smaller size it was have those instead of say you know a a small compact set that i just take for turkeys but it's just the comfort for me is why um i take the the full size ones they're so much easier on the eyes and the clarity for me is so much better and uh, just a little extra weight and inconvenience is just well worth it to me. I just, it's the same ones that is on my chest every time I'm in a deer stand and, um, I just don't change it just because I'm turkey hunting. And, you know, we've talked a lot about different situations I encounter in different states. Sometimes I'm looking three, 400 yards away, you know, so right. it's not like, uh, those are overkill all the time for me either. Anyways. No, I agree. I care. Well,
0: one, I have some pocket size binoculars, whatever they may be, and I'm sure they're cheap and I'm sure that you can get decent sets, but I'm not a fan of the tiny compact binocular. I feel like you you get kind of lightweight, but the trade-off is you get less usability. They're not as comfortable. Um, They're not generally quite as good. And I'm sure your vortex are good. I've never used a pair. I've always wondered. So I'll we'll have to talk more at some point in time about your experience with them. Um, uh, cause I am in the market for another set at some point in time, I've got Zeiss and they've been great. I beat the hell out of them. Uh, they're just, I don't know. I feel like maybe it's time to see what newer lens technology might be. out. I think I've had these things for 15 years or more, probably. Uh, But I like having the bigger size, too, because like you just said, not only sometimes are you looking several hundred yards away um, where we hunt, the birds fly down oftentimes over into the neighbor's field and they're going to be several hundred yards away. So I want to be able to see them from there. But there's also a lot of turkey hunting that is not looking at anything that's turkey related. And it's kind of nice to be able to have the ability to reach out there a little bit and see what else is around and spend your time kind of looking around and not feel like you're limited to that 100 yards around the blind because you just have a little pocket set of binoculars that are pretty low magnification.
1: That's a great point. And I'm glad you brought it up because that that's, you're exactly right. I mean, you, we could list any number of awesome things that, that we've seen. I'm sure you have, I know I have that hasn't even involved a turkey while turkey hunting. I mean, I've, I've used my binoculars to look at hawks, eagles, otters coyotes foxes deer you name it like all kinds of cool things out there to watch and let's face it there's a whole lot of boring times sometimes Uh, it's pretty nice to be able to pull those binoculars up and check out something that you can't really even tell what it is over there a hundred yards away in the woods. Yeah,
0: there's just so many benefits. And I'm not telling somebody if you're better off to take a pocket set of binoculars, whatever one of those little tiny compact sets are, even a cheap pair then to not have everything. Um, but if weight is a concern, I know one of the issues why I've been looking at a different set of binoculars my old binoculars only have the neck strap. There's no way to attach anything else. And they're they're so old that chest harnesses weren't really a thing at the time. I think if I could wear them around my neck and keep them close to my body, it'd be a whole lot different than when I have to shove them in one of the limited pockets that I've already got in my vest and make that thing more bulky or do put them around my neck and they're flopping around all over the place and they're sore on the back of my neck. Do you use any sort of harness or anything with yours outside of just a, a standard one-piece neck strap?
1: No, I always use a chest harness, the elastic type, so it's adjustable. I can make it, you know, fit pretty tight on my chest, and that also helps steady them up when you put them up to your eyes a little bit, puts some tension on it. Um, that's what I use all the time. And I used to always really worry about how would that affect would affect my shooting and the bowstring, but it doesn't at all. Just a, a little bit of practice with, them, you know, convinced me of like I could completely forget they're there. And I've never once had them interfere with the shot at all. So that's what I use. This has been a pretty great topic. I mean, clearly, we just needed to do a show on on optics <laughs> yeah, and binoculars saying, and how we use questions. them. And um, maybe that'll be a great time. Maybe I can get someone's vortex to join us.
0: Yeah, dude, that would be super cool to check into that. Cause like I said, I've got all sorts of questions. I, I love mine. I'm I am a huge fan of spend as much money as you can on your optics. Um if you have to skimp elsewhere, do it. But there is no doubt that my um old when I talked to the Zeiss guys, I think it was I don't even think it was this year at ATA because we were doing so many different podcasts. Um, But I know I tell you, he's like, we don't make that. We can't recondition that anymore. You got to get a whole new set. And I love them. I would get another set. But I think there are others out there that um, if I have people like you who have first-hand experience, I'd love to hear more about it because I am such a nerd. Like I said, when I started talking about you want the exit pupil diameter to be five times, your magnification is about the maximum that... Any human eyeball can let light in and everything. But my binoculars that I paid, I don't even know. I mean, back in the day, it was probably four or 500 bucks. I think I was working at Bass Pro at the time. So I had some sort of employee discount on it, Uh, but I'm still using them today. They get drug around on the 3D course. They get thrown in the truck when I'm out scouting, They will get tossed in my blind bag when I'm going duck or goose hunting. They're in my turkey pack. They're in my deer pack every fall. I mean, these things go everywhere, and there's no doubt that they are many times better than some of the cheaper brands that are out there. And I'm not trying to rip on any other brands or say that there are brands that are bad, but if you get that super low-end $30 pair of binoculars Versus even you know a, a hundred or a three hundred. If we go ten times more expensive, it's so much worth this. I'd love to do an episode on that. So I keep talking about it. And I'm like, we should shut up. We're inching yeah. up on like forty five <laughs> minutes here.
1: Well, I'll throw this out there. Just we've talked in terms of older and or cheap archery releases, and we've talked on the podcast. We've talked to each other. We've had this conversation. It, we've had it it shows uh with customers um people don't realize how much better a quality release feels or an updated release until they try one and binoculars i think are the same way it, someone you know buys what they could get by with and maybe it was a 30 dollars pair five years ago and they and they in their thought processes i'm getting by with these but man you hand them a good quality pair and they're gonna go oh shit, that's nice and it the same way you hand them a quality release and let them shoot it a couple times i think a good pair of binoculars will do the same thing and bring that same reaction so yeah i think this is a great topic and i'm really not all that knowledgeable about binoculars i don't want to pretend that i am in in actuality when it's come to optics when i've needed something new from vortex i've sent my contact hey this is what i'm going to use this rifle scope for this is what i need these binoculars for and they've made recommendations for me and i've just picked my my choice out based on their recommendations so it'll be great to get uh maybe someone from vortex if i can arrange that uh, you know, on the line with us, and let let an expert kind of educate us, and maybe some of the listeners could pick some things up too. Hell yeah, dude, get on that! I would love to do that if
0: you can find somebody who's willing to sit down with us and go through whatever kind of nerded out optics questions, or get them to nerd out over optics for us and for the listeners. I think that would be awesome, and we're getting to that time of year where. We all need something to think about that maybe wouldn't be uh, top of mind or always what we'd be thinking about. So that'd be awesome if you could find somebody who's willing to uh, give us a little time to sit down and chat glass.
1: Right. So there you go, everybody. Send us your questions that you uh, whatever it is that you want to ask about optics and binoculars, send it to us at. Uh, podcast at hotshotmanufacturing.com. How's that? I got it right the first time. Yeah, you did way better than I do. Right on. You got anything else before we wrap this up?
0: Ah, man. Parting shots. I've been trying to think about if I have some sort of parting shot that, uh, is really worthwhile i think the about the only thing that has come to mind we've probably talked about it we've had to have talked about it at some point on the podcast here and there Uh, but especially being uh, an archery company just archery related my parting shot is do what you can do to shoot Um, if you i know not everybody is in the same financial situation i absolutely get it and i Definitely try not to flaunt my financial situation that isn't what it always has been. Um, but man, I've got a, a decent target. I've got one of the it's kind of a bag, a mesh front, uh bag filled target. Get your bows out, do some shooting. I shoot at, you know, maybe sometimes I'll shoot at two to three yards into my target. I'm not getting pass throughs. Um, I've got like an 18 inch, that's probably 12 or 15 inches deep. I don't know on the target, but I, I think my parting shot is just make sure that you're shooting some way, somehow, if it's not going to danger, anybody set your target up in a place where, you know, if you do get a little bit of a pass through, it's not going to hit anything, but check it out, man. You don't need a whole lot. I shoot at, um, if I really stretch it out, I can get seven yards from my basement out into my garage, but. You will be amazed at how much better you feel when you can get behind the bow. And even if it's just five or 10 shots a day, uh, just to have something that's archery related. You can do it in an apartment again, do wherever it's legal. I'm not condoning any sort of illegal activities whatsoever, but if you can, man, make sure you can get out to shoot. I know we hear from a lot of staff members who say, well, I only deer hunt, or I only do this, or I can't shoot because all the ranges are closed. Get creative, folks. See if you can find a way. Again, I know I don't have you know, the most expensive target in the world, but it stops my arrows. So I have uh, definitely started shooting my bow more frequently, and I know it's going to keep me in better shape for deer season. So I think that's my parting shot. Try to do something that's outdoor related. If you're in to shoot your bow, test it out. See what your target can do. Just set it up where you're not going to hit the fridge or a person or something crazy if you have to shoot inside.
1: Yeah. I'll add one little thing to that. That really helps me. I'm kind of like you, if I stretch it out in my basement, I might get seven yards. It's more like five yards, but I just, instead of shooting that, uh, you know, golf ball or tennis ball size yellow down on my target, I use a marker and I make it a dime size uh, spot. And so that dime size spot is what I'm focused on hitting for those close range shots. And Um, That practice is for sure beneficial and well worth it. So my parting shot, I'm going to see your smoked turkey breasts and I'm going to (laughs) raise you a backstrap that is on the Uh, counter waiting for me to slice up and turn into some delicious, rare deer steaks for this evening. Man,
0: that sounds so good. We should get socially distant together and share our food tonight.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Thanks for the time, and thanks, everyone, for listening.
0: Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you all, everybody. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, search Hotshot Archery. Um, this podcast, if you're listening to it, you probably don't need any tips on where you can find this podcast. But if you're listening on the website, give some of our products. Uh, look, I know we don't usually I – mean, in fact, we stated that we don't want this to be just a commercial. But if you're finding this through our website, hotshotmfg.com, but and take a look at some of the products that we've got out there. Now is a great time to uh, improve your arsenal, re-up your equipment, and be prepared for not only when range is open over the summer, hopefully, fingers crossed, but also deer season and just fall archery season in general. So thank you all so much. We appreciate the support more than you can understand. Make sure you send us one last reminder questions about any optics. If we can get some folks on, we definitely want to have that for you. So podcast at hotshotmanufacturing.com. When you say it first, Robin, then I can get it right the next time. So send us any questions that you've got about optics that way. And we'll make sure that we get those addressed when we can sit down with somebody who knows a
1: whole hell of a lot more than we do about the topic. So thank you all. And we'll talk again next week.